from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. That's the way. That's the way I like it, Ursula. I like it to be Fresh Fridays every single day. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Fresh Friday to all of you. We have a very packed show for you, as always. Coming up in the 930 segment, should victims of hate crimes get paid $2,000 to encourage them to report those incidents? We're going to talk about that because it's one of the proposals that's bouncing around in Olympia right now. And then you've probably heard Madonna is going to be performing at Climate Pledge next month. It's uh, The concert was delayed uh, because of Are her you, illness. you still got the tickets? I'm not anymore. Okay. Yeah, the timing doesn't work. But okay. at 947, we're going to tell you why some fans are now suing her. And I think, gee, you are on the side of the fans. Uh, real quick, before uh, last week, just so you know, yeah, I was going off about people being so sue happy these days. Uh-huh. Everybody wants to sue everybody, uh-huh. and uh, so there'll be people saying, "But gee, I thought you said <laughs> they'll be saying flip, yeah, flop, yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. <laughs> But this is a specific reason yeah. that maybe you will agree as well. 888-973-5476-888-973 Cairo. That is our Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line. Let's get ready. Ooh, we got a show. Top stories of the day brought to you by Way Scar 40, Susu and Auburn. At least five people in the Seattle area died because of exposure to the extremely cold temperatures recently. One man had been living in his car outside the Ballard Library. Two others were in buildings that had no heat. With temperatures dropping into the teens overnight, all the area shelters were at capacity. I think we mentioned that yesterday. But, of course, there are tens of thousands of people in the Puget Sound region who are homeless right now. It is also a crisis in Spokane where hundreds of unhoused people are in danger of freezing to death. And the city's been scrambling to find temporary housing, including asking churches to pitch in. And we saw an article that said over the last few months, Spokane City officials have asked more than 200 churches to open their doors to the homeless during extreme weather conditions. And so far, only four have agreed. I just want to say early this morning, I went on a little tangent and I thought you guys said only four people agreed to come inside. I didn't realize you said only four churches, churches. agreed. OK, so I wanted to clear that one up. Uh, sorry about that. But as of right now, the fact that um, only four churches have agreed. I mean, look, I'm not going to get mad at a church for saying, no, we can't expect churches and we can't expect businesses and whoever to uh, bring them in. Now, I know that there's some that will say, well, what about their uh, their nonprofit status? They're not being taxed or anything like that. But I'm not going to be upset, Ursula, about a, a church not uh, willing to bring folks in. We can't expect them to do that. Well, it, it just shows, again, how important important and how imperative it is for us to as communities to have more of these temporary shelters available and we've talked about whether it's the hotels that were purchased Mm -hmm. around king county uh i'm not even looking at spokane and with in the in the church situation i think churches and what i read is that many of these churches actually more churches want to do it Mm -hmm. but what happens when churches house the homeless Neighbors are not happy in general. I mean, many neighbors are not happy unless they get a big heads up. And even then they worry because, uh, you know, in some cases, in fact, in um, in Spokane, 
there was a group that uh, worked with a church mm-hmm. and uh, they ended up having an issue because some of the homeless people were living outside of the church area and in the neighborhood and businesses were complaining. Right. Um, so, yeah, there was a nonprofit that partnered with a church to operate a warming shelter and uh, the people they were helping ended up sleeping outside of the church area. And so, I mean, if we're talking about things like um, whether it's the hotels or whether it is the uh, small, um, not tent cities, but the uh, tiny shelters, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it. we need those yesterday. Mm-hmm. We need more of those. Um, but just talking about the cold weather, have you heard what happened in Portland. This is just a tragic story mm. where three people were killed and a baby was injured when their car came into contact with the down power line during their recent ice storm. CBS's Carter Evans says a branch had fallen on the line causing it to fall on that SUV. Down power lines are common in winter storms and if one were to land on your car, experts say you should stay inside until the line is de-energized. If you have to get out, you should jump with both feet first so you you're not touching the car and the ground at the same time. Okay, at the risk of sounding ignorant, did you know that? Would you know what to do in the event of a power line falling onto your car? No, I wouldn't. I mean, I've never had it happen before. I don't know anybody personally, uh, and I've never read up on the topic. All I know about this topic is for number one, that's sad. That's so first. sad. Uh, secondly, if I just know to stay away from it, right? I mean, how many times have you yourself been close to a power line, right? It's not like something that happens all the time. I just know to stay away from it. But no, I, I wouldn't know what to do if it hit my car. Well, and and so in this particular case, they freaked out and they tried to get out of the car quickly, get out of the SUV quickly. Mm-hmm. And again, because they were in contact with both the vehicle and uh, the ground, mm-hmm. apparently that was the issue. Uh, so, uh, in any case, I mean, that is just a horribly I, I, tragic I was sitting story. here trying to also, before we move on, I was thinking about the, the church thing and, uh, number one, I would, I would assume that there are churches that have been successful in housing, uh, those that, that are unhoused out there. And I was trying to think, man, where's the closest church to me? And I know where it is. It's champion center down in, uh, down in port, uh, excuse me, down in Tacoma. And I was just thinking about it, Ursula. Champion Center down there in Tacoma, right off of Portland, it has a huge parking lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge parking lot. And so they don't bring anybody into that parking lot, right? Again, so I don't, their biggest fear is liability. I mean, they're- sure. So I, I just so what I'm, I'm trying to say is is I don't know of a situation where I have a church that's close to me that I see it happening and I can personally say, oh, it's happening here and it's going well. But I do believe it is going well, possibly in other places. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. The the thing that I would love to see is more of these organizations working with the churches. So working to, to remove some of that liability and uh, more nonprofits doing like what this one uh, in Spokane tried to do and get it so that 
uh, because that would seem like a logical place, at least just for the short term, though, because it's not a long term deal. We saw what happened in Tequila. We just talked about that church in Tequila. Okay, back to reality. That is what some real estate experts are saying about our housing market these days. After years of skyrocketing prices, home prices dropped last year by three to four percent compared to the year before. According to the Northwest Multiple Listing Service, the median home price in King County is now eight hundred seventy six thousand dollars. It's just over $737,000 in Snohomish County and $535,000 in Pierce County. The Seattle Times reports this is the first time that median home prices fell year over year in all three counties since 2011. The only outlier was Kitsap County, where the median of $540,000 remained unchanged. Do you remember at the beginning of our show just a few years ago when we were talking about the median price in King County was... Oh, a million uh, bucks, like close yeah, to a million bucks. It had gone up, yeah. And now it's starting to go down a little bit, and so that's the discussion. Ursula, this reminds me of times where you might lose weight, but you still can't fit into your favorite jeans. And so <laughs> that uh, sounds uh, too familiar, right? So, but uh, you know, <laughs> according according to this article right now, it says it talks about how all all of these four counties with the household earning the county's median income still cannot afford a mortgage that's on right. the median priced home that according to the Washington Center for Real Estate Research. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and just lay it down to you. So for all the people that's always like, what are you talking about? You just have to work. And the reason why we have this homelessness crisis, let me lay it down to you. According to this article with median households that can afford the median priced home. So the income, the median income in these homes for median, being able to afford median priced homes, only three of the 39 counties in the state of Washington, is that possible? That's right. So just so so for everybody that wants to say, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and you need to work harder and you need to eat avocado toast and stop buying the latte, lattes and all that good stuff. I want to say that again, only three counties in this state of the 39, can you do that and purchase a home? So again, it's like losing some weight, but you still can't fit in your favorite jeans. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Uh, a, a couple of bright spots. One is that there are fewer bidding wars, uh, according to the Northwest Multiple Listing Service. The other thing, and this is... Uh, unfortunate, but uh, condo sales are big, so that's great for condo sales. But as a result, the median condo sold for five hundred nine thousand dollars in King County. That was a two percent increase, so the prices there are going up. Uh, interest rates are still relatively high, so fewer homes actually sold in twenty twenty three. The actual sales of homes were down more than twenty percent in all counties. So a lot of uh, homeowners also were just saying, "Uh, nope." We're not going to put our house on the market right now because where are we going to go? Um, and there are a lot more people renting. So, of course, what does that mean for your rent? Mm-hmm. Oh, rent must be going down, right? Because every time <laughs> no. we hear about property taxes going up, and that's the only reason why landlords raise rent is because property taxes, I'm sure rents will fall with uh, the prices falling as well. Yeah. I-, I wish we could say that. But I look at this as... The, the positive is that we're not still seeing those unsustainable increases year over year. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2 to 3% or 3 to 4% is a lot better than 10, 15%. 
Law enforcement officers are stepping up patrols after nearly a dozen freeway shootings just this month, most of them in South King County. Last night, Trooper Rick Johnson said that the state patrol and police officers in Kent, Auburn and Pacific were going to be doing emphasis patrols in the areas where those shootings happened. There were no reports of any injuries, but I got to say it's disturbing that right now, what, it's only January 19th and we've already had 11 freeway shootings. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I've barely even heard. This is the first time I read about it. You guys be careful out there on those roads. Uh, uh, one of the things, Chef, I'm glad you said that that you're not uh, doing the flash in your high beams. You know, at folks as much there, as much <laughs> as much. But no, being serious, Ursula. Since we've been doing the show, going on four years now, how many times have we uh, reported on and talked about incidents in which road rage happens and it has gone too, too far many. and stop lights and stop signs and freeways and all that stuff? Please, ladies and gentlemen, please be careful. I on those roads because you never know what someone is going through in that other car. So true. Great <laughs> advice. Great advice. Okay, he's known as the world's second richest man, and I gotta say, he's got one of the most unique laughs. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but right now, no one's laughing about Jeff Bezos' habit of promising bundles of money for charities, but not always following through. This story comes from Bloomberg, and they're reporting that Bezos pledged $100 million to help rebuild Maui after last year's devastating wildfires. A spokesperson for Bezos says, yeah, they've given $15.5 million over the past five months, but will not name who the recipient were and the folks over in Maui say it's news to us. Apparently, this is not the first time that Bezos has been vague about where his philanthropy dollars are going. He also made a $10 billion pledge to battle uh, climate change without offering specifics. He's also promised to give away most of his wealth, but no one knows what that means. So here's my question for all of you. Uh, and, and I'll start with you, G. <laughs> Is this anything that anyone should be worried about? It's like. No, it, but this happens all the time. Right. And we let's 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 start from the very beginning. So if I sit here right now. Right. And I get on the air and I say, hey, everyone, I'm going to pledge five hundred dollars to an organization out here. I'm telling you that this is what I'm doing. And all of you say, oh, gee, that's so awesome. So I've told all of you, and by the way, I use $500 because that's, that's all I got. So I use 500 bucks that I'm going to give to an organization. You're like, oh, my goodness, gee, splash, newspaper. He's on a newspaper. He does this. Oh, my, look at it. For 500 bucks, you ain't going to get that. Okay, but, but let's but say, say, yeah, say 500,000. So you, you take a picture of me. I'm in the paper. I'm yeah. going to be pledging this. And then... Someone like a chef comes over in his interview is like, oh, gee, that's great. You're going to be giving five hundred dollars. So can you tell us who are you going to be giving to? Oh, I don't want to tell you that. If you don't want to tell who you're giving to, then why are you telling that you're giving? Does anybody think because well, you want to make the splash why. on exactly. the newspaper? Exactly. So uh, there's actually someone who is an expert in philanthropy says it's basically maximum publicity with minimum accountability. And you aren't legally required to say where that money is going unless these are tax exempt, uh, unless the gifts have been made from a tax exempt organization. And that's not Jeff Bezos. But what Bloomberg pointed out that is in contrast, Bezos's ex-wife, Mackenzie, is the polar opposite when it comes to her philanthropic endeavors. She's donated more than 16 billion dollars since their divorce 
in 2019. And she has a list. You can find out all about who got the money on her website. Sure. And there's like hundreds of them. But uh, Jeff, in comparison, has donated $3 billion. Personally, I feel Cassie. like... Well, <laughs> has claimed to donate $3 billion. I'm, I'm okay. Look, I have no problem with someone telling the world that they're giving. But I really do, do it, right? right? I exactly. have a problem if you're going to tell people you're giving, but then at the other, on the other hand, you don't want to tell people who you're giving to. Yeah. That's, that's a red flag. Like, yeah. what? Huh? Matter of fact, we got people, I know people right now on Facebook that be out here trying to talk about, oh, I'm doing this, all this giving. I'm doing this. I'm doing all this giving. Can you give me $10 and then they give away $1 and keep nine? Is that giving? Man, I'm sorry, guys. You guys, this is an emotional topic for me because this really hits home. This is happening a lot. In, I, other, in other words, you're trying to say there's a lot of scamming going yes. on in the philanthropy world. I'm not saying Bezos is a scam because I know. Oh, no, 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 I'm not no, saying. No, no. I'm just saying in general, right? So for again, Nick, hey brother, can you give me ten dollars because I'm going to go help some people? I take one dollar of the ten. I go help the people. I keep nine. But yet everybody looks at me as the hero. Yeah, I find it much more maybe interesting and uh, maybe the word would be impressive when someone is giving but it's not looking for any credit for it. I, I, it's, it's the only way. That's the only way. Like, I, I just, I don't know. If I if someone, if I help somebody with their rent tomorrow and I get on the air and say, hey, everybody, yesterday I just helped somebody with their rent. What? What is that? What was that about? Credit grabber. <laughs> Anyways, hey, um, there's a few bills that are being proposed down in the legislature, and we're going to be bringing those up next. There is one that is happening. I know you think I'm going to side one way. I think this is the dumbest thing in the world. We'll tell you what that is next. Generously. the G and Ursula show. It is a fresh Friday and we sure appreciate you hanging out with us on this show. We like to be super transparent and I'm going to tell you, we just dodged a bullet because make sure you include my tease. Cause I told everybody what I was about to go crazy about. Yes. We were just about to talk about a story that apparently had a fact that we glommed onto that was not a fact. Uh, And so this idea of paying people to report their hate crimes, paying up to $2,000, apparently that was erroneous and it was all over. And uh, so we're not going to talk about it. I just want you to know, we did tease it. And if you see it, it, we're just going to remove that. Yeah. So just, uh, yeah, that's uh, unfortunate. I was about to go ham on that topic. Okay. And the fact that it's not true. Yeah. So... Uh, so there is an, uh, an organization that is reporting it. It is not true. Okay, but we will give you some facts here. Question. Yeah. Should drunk drivers have to financially support the kids or the dependents of those they killed? So there is a bill proposed by Senator John Lovick, who is one of our regular listeners. Uh, and this bill would require drivers who kill or disable someone to basically 
pay or pay out money to the victim's dependents. The bill is modeled after a law passed in Kentucky by Senator David Yates, who testified in Olympia. What we've seen in Kentucky is it also has a strong deterrence effect because people are talking about it. And they're not just talking about the person that they hurt, but they're talking about the little boy, the little girl, the child um, that, that has lost this, this person they're dependent upon. A judge would basically assess the drunk driver's financial situation along with the finances of the surviving family to determine how much would be paid out. Yep. What do you think? Yep. Absolutely. That way you're going to deter some folks from going ahead and taking that sip, you know what I mean, and getting behind the wheel. Yes, you might get that one person to say, you know, the reason why I stopped drinking and driving was because of this. Comes to find out if you are to hurt uh, someone's kids or uh, there's loss of life, I'm going to be responsible for them outside of the consequences that I'm going to have to uh, be hit with. Love this. I I fully support it, too. I'm curious. I I saw a quote from John Lovick, and and he said that I I think he was trying to get it through the rules committee or or and and it it just seems like it is so hard to pass legislation that does anything to help reduce the amount of drunk drivers on the roads. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask a question. And maybe there is someone out there, you know, our text line can be anonymous. Why does why would anyone still get behind the wheel after having any kind of drink? Oh, uh, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I, G- given, six, given the availability six, of, of... I'll tell you why. Because it's about six or eight months ago. I have been saying this all the time. The worst sign in the world that we see are the signs on the side of a road that say uh, .08. And people think that it is okay to have just one or two beers and still be okay to drive. So the number one reason why people drive is because they think that it is okay to have one or two drinks and they can still drive. It The sign should say zeros. You should nothing. If you have one sip. You are liable. You are responsible if you hurt someone. But that is the biggest trick that has been put on us, Ursula. People think that they can have one drink and still drive. Okay, I can already tell you that there are going to be people who say you can have one drink and still drive. The thing is, why even risk that? I mean, and, and, and I'm not trying to be the party pooper, but why risk that when the, the things that so many of because our kids Because I'm do- fine. That's what people, because I'm fine. I, I had one drink. I don't even feel one drink. I'm fine. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's basically it. And that's great. And if you know your tolerance and you are sure and it's not going to make any kind of impact, uh, then obviously. But so many people will have a night out, have a good time, and still not even think to get an Uber. Now, Ursula, I know this is not what you wanted, but when I was robbed at gunpoint in Las Vegas in 1997... That really had an effect on me for a while. So since we're since we're going there, let's keep it going, right? You you rob someone and someone is traumatized from that. Oh yeah, you know you're gonna be paying for that, right? We we should you know what I mean? Let, let's start really hitting folks in the pockets. You start committing crimes on people. You start not only do you have the consequence of going to jail, the consequence of it being on your record, also have the consequence of you paying for it because if well, you. Ooh. That exists. It does. That exist. exists. And, and that's why I'm questioning why this legislation is necessary, because, you know, if somebody hits me in my car and kills me, right, 
Gabby can sue that person in civil court and pursue financial damages against them. There's nothing to stop people from pursuing a civil case. Well, well, you guys say it exists. It doesn't exist. It's not as a popular, it's not a real popular thing. They do pay. You you, you can go to court, but to go to court, you also have to be able to afford an attorney. An attorney. Okay. Uh, So, I mean, it's not as easy as, you know, what G is saying is it should be automatically, like restitution should be part of it. So for, for every crime then? Yep. Yep. Every crime. Well, not, not every crime. Well, <laughs> that causes, you know, physical or emotional yes, damages. Yes, yes, yes. Sir. yes sir. Okay. So you have an issue with this particular one? I, I don't know that it's necessary. I mean, like I'm saying, there, there's, a, there's a pathway to pursue compensation currently, a legal pathway for people to do so. And I realize that not everyone is going to access it. But, you know, why specifically DUIs? You know, if somebody assaults a family member of mine and they have their orbital socket broken and, like, need surgery, right? Like... Okay, provide compensation for that person too, to to single out one specific crime and say this is going to be the deterrent. I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, think people know, think that far ahead. You know who we should get on this? John. Yes, <laughs> he's probably listening right now. So John, if you're listening, John, I, love you. I know you're listening right now. Because <laughs> we can, yeah, I- I explain how this would help. I-, I know that he wants it to be a deterrent for yeah, drunk driving. Sure. I mean, he's a former state trooper too. Okay, just real quick, yeah. uh, one more thing. Yeah. Should people in prison be allowed to vote and serve on juries? Representative Tara Simmons is making that case in Olympia. Uh, she is a formally, and she's actually the first formally incarcerated member of the legislature. And this is H. Bill 2030. It would allow anyone in state prison to vote or serve on a jury. Only prisoners who committed crimes punishable by death would not have their voting rights restored. Ursula, what say you? You know, we get, we got a minute and a half. Yeah for this topic. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> I don't have we don't even have enough time. But okay, here we go. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> yes. Good. Why? Yes. I I think that just because you have committed a crime doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to weigh on what's going on in society, right? Both things can be true. You, Oh, my goodness, you were a drug dealer. You did bad. Should you have an opinion on who should be in office? Yes. Oh, my goodness, you did some white-collar crime. Uh, Oh, my goodness, you're Martha Stewart, and you're in jail for a federal felony. Should she be able to vote? Yes. See? How about that? And we're going to have to bring it back. (laughs) We're going to have to bring this back. <laughs> because I think there are some things that you should, some rights that you should lose when you are in prison. Yeah. And for me, voting would be one of them. Yeah. But you, you did this with, with, with a minute ago. <laughs> uh, real, real quick, before we get out of here, Nick, there was something that Chef said about two minutes ago. When was it, it came, one of his new magic words? No, it wasn't a magic word. <laughs> it was just a way that he said it. Did you hear? Like, I would have said punched in the face or punched in the eye. What did he say? He said orbital socket. <laughs> just, <laughs> I had to explain okay, to Matthew we, what the coccyx is yesterday. Mind you, we only had on two, minutes, two minutes for that last question that I had. Yeah. But you can bring up his <laughs> orbital socket. <laughs> okay. Did you not need to laugh? (laughs) Was it severed or interfered? (laughs) You're right, Ursula. All right, coming up next, uh, we need to talk. Uh, Madonna. Folks want to sue when it comes to the Madonna, and we'll find out why. And we want to hear what Ursula has to say, because Ursula is the one that bought tickets to see Madonna. Uh, We'll we'll tell you all that next. Gene Ursula.
Sports the Show. Happy Fresh Fridays. Michael Medved will join us at 10 o'clock. But right now, we need to talk. So, Madonna is facing a lawsuit from her own fans. Here's CBS's Stacey Lynn. Fans are expressing themselves with a new lawsuit against the material girl because she's always so late to the stage. The suit filed in New York accuses her of false advertising and negligent misrepresentation. Because she didn't get into the groove at her shows at the Barclay Center last month until after 10.30 p.m. when they were supposed to start at 8.30. This isn't the first time Madonna's been sued for her tardiness at her shows. In 2019, a lawsuit alleged it was a breach of contract that she started so late and sometimes wouldn't take a bow until 2 a.m. Stacey Lynn, CBS News. One of my favorite things about the Emerald Queen Casino and their concerts is this. Last week, Ursula, I went to the Drew Hill concert. I complained about it. I didn't want to do it. It was absolutely fantastic. But the one thing that I love about them, the concert was to start at 8.30 p.m. Drew Hill came out on stage at 8.37. The concert was over at 9.45. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't want to go to a concert, Ursula, that starts at 8.30 and the main attraction, Madonna, doesn't get out there to 10.30. I'm suing too. That's, first of all, downright rude. And this is not just a a, a one-off. She is notorious for being that late on her concerts. So she's going to be performing at Climate Pledge uh, on the 18th and, wait a minute, yeah, the 17th and 18th of February. And I can guarantee you that she's probably, she's going to be late. Because the last time I watched Madonna, she was late. Mm -hmm. So this is something that happens all the time. I'm totally with those fans who pay, you're you're not paying just a small little amount of money we're talking those tickets could be four, five, six hundred dollars right. a piece. And then you're thinking that you're going to be having a good time and you stay. Yeah, it may sound frivolous, but something needs to stop her from doing Or you just don't buy tickets. So it's a fr- it's, it's rude. It's a Friday night or Friday or Saturday night. You and your significant other, whoever, your friends, you guys, you're going to go to this concert, right? The concert starts at, let's just say it starts at 7, right, or 7.30. Concert is done by like 9.30. Now, when you're done with the concert, you look at each other and say, hey, what do you want to do? You want to go to Dick's Burgers, go get some of that? You want to go make a quick little stop real quick? But when you're starting, Ursula, after 10.30, you have basically said, I'm here. And the next place I go is back home after this. And as a matter of fact, I don't drink, you don't drink, and you know it's even harder to stay up. And so as we get older, we're tired. <laughs> no, no, I mean, seriously. So imagine you, you, you paid all this money to see this person, but you want them to hurry up and finish. Because you're tired. Yeah, but why would someone like a Madonna tell you to come there at 8.30 and then not start performing till 10.30? Her and Lauren Hill do the same thing. You're right, Linda. That's kind of a vestige of, you know, the entertainment years have passed where you'd build the momentum. You know, when is the main act going to come on? There used to be like three to four opening acts before a big show like this. And I think the legacy era of singers like Madonna are stuck in that era. Yeah. Whereas if you, you know, you go to a Taylor Swift concert, 
It's starting on time. Most musicians start on time. It's yeah. just the older diva set that thinks you can go <laughs> that thinks you can go on stage like completely hammered. I'm sorry, Billy Joel. I went to Billy Joel's concert, started on time. Billy Joel should be someone who could command a, a an audience to stick around before you know, for a couple of hours to watch him. No. Somebody Why t- would you go to see an artist though who does this? Exactly. I, I'm not going. I'm not I'm not doing that. By, by the way, somebody texted in Ursula and said, when when do you go to Dick's Burgers after a concert? I don't know of any concert venue that's next to Dick's Burgers. This one, Seattle Center. <laughs> uh, yeah, Climate Pledge is real close to a Dick's I, Burgers. I go, to, I, go to Bro- I go to Broadway, just right there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. But anyways, uh, this whole... Con- so wait, you're not going to Madonna, Ursula? No, because uh, it, it was... Remember, the date was changed, and so this oh, new date I can't do, Okay, unfortunately. Now, how do you, because you, you have been doing a lot of concerts during the week, you know what I mean? How do you do that? Now, I go, I went last week on a Friday. How, how do you do the concerts on a Tuesday or Wednesday or something? How do you do that? I, if it's a concert that I really want to see, I just figure that I'm going to be tired for one day, and then I'll make up for it with a nap. And I look at it as the price that I pay for doing something that I really want to do. Mm. You be hurting the next morning? I am going to be hurting. But <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. <laughs> but you're chronically sleep deprived. So it's like, I'm going to feel like this three out of seven days of the week anyways. I might as well get some benefit from my lack of sleep, right? Well, the other thing is more of the concerts that I'm interested in going to are during the weeknights. Mm. So otherwise, I will just I will be deprived of every opportunity you, if I only do weekends. You know who I could never see like going to a concert? <laughs> Chef. Chef, why? Who, uh, you, you, there's no way you don't like concerts, do you? It'd be too much fun. <laughs> <laughs> my life, my wife would love me to take her to more concerts. <laughs> Last concert you've been to? I have no idea. Duran Duran. Well, that was your last one? That, yes. was, that was good. It was really good. I like Duran Duran. <laughs> Nick, last concert you've been to? I saw the Rolling Stones at Lumen Field. That was a good time. That dude that, that dude has such an old soul. <laughs> I know. It was, with, it was a- with my dad. It was a present. I mean, I had fun. Okay. He's a big fan. Good stuff. All right. We're going to ask Michael Medved. When was the last concert he's been to? Because Michael Medved is going to join the show, and we got all kinds of questions for him. Looking forward to that. It is the Gene Ursa Show.